0: Hello, and welcome to the Lancet Oncology podcast for the April 2020 issue. Today, we have Dr. Alexander Drillon from the Memorial Sloan Catering Cancer Center to discuss his pooled analysis of three clinical trials on the role of larotrectinib in patients with TRK fusion positive solid tumors. So thank you very much for agreeing to speak with us today. Um, and I'd like to ask you to briefly describe what is a tumor agnostic therapy and its advantages.
1: Tumor agnostic therapy is a strategy that involves the delivery of a therapeutic that's matched to a particular gene signature to patients whose cancers harbor this signature regardless of what the cancer type is, essentially regardless of what the cancer looks like under the microscope. The first major success in this arena, of course, was the approval of the immune checkpoint inhibitor pembrolizumab for patients whose cancers harbor an MSI high, or a high level of microsatellite instability. And this was approved, again, across cancers of different types that harbor this signature. The advantages of this approach, obviously, are that it capitalizes on the fact that these actionable gene signatures can be found across different types of cancers. And in particular, while some cancers may harbor these drivers at a higher frequency, there are many other cancers where you may see a much lower frequency of these events. And therefore, when we design a clinical trial that allows patients on, regardless of cancer type, you're able to then provide this therapy to patients where it's very difficult to mount a single histology trial to interrogate the activity of a particular drug. This strategy has moved beyond immune therapy and has moved into the targeted therapy space, particularly given that we've recognized that a certain driver called NTRAC fusions is found across many different cancers. For example, it's found very commonly, meaning greater than 90% in some series, in some rarer tumors like congenital fibrosarcoma, congenital mesoblastic nephroma, mammary analog secretory carcinoma, and secretory carcinoma of the breast. But in addition, the second major bucket where you find these cancers would be much more common tumors like lung cancers, breast cancers, and gastrointestinal cancers, for example, that, similar to what I mentioned earlier, harbor these signatures, these NTRAC fusions at a much lower frequency. And so several programs have mounted basket trials using this tumor agnostic approach to test the activity of TRAC inhibitors for patients with N-TRAC fusion positive cancers of any histology.
0: Great. And what are the main findings of your paper?
1: This paper discusses the activity and safety of larotrectinib, which is a selective TRAC inhibitor in patients with tract fusion positive solid tumors. It's important to mention that the original data set of larotrectinib involved 55 patients across various cancer types uh, that harbored an NTRK fusion. And this particular paper published in The Lancet Oncology not only features the initial 55 patients, but more than three times that initial amount for a total of 159 tract fusion positive cancer patients who were enrolled and treated with larotrectinib. The second major thing to point out here in terms of demographics is that this was both a data set that included pediatric and adult cases. The regulatory data set had pulled from three different trials, an adult phase one trial, an adult and adolescent phase two basket study, and the pediatric phase and phase one and two trial, uh, which led to us being able to look at this data in aggregate. And so here you're seeing patients who are as old as less than uh, one month, up to 84 years age or 84 years of age, all of whom had cancers that harbored an NTRK fusion, and notably, many of them were heavily pretreated, with almost half of patients having received two or more systemic therapies in the past. In terms of the cancer types represented, the most common cancer type was soft tissue sarcoma, including that histology of congenital or infantile fibrosarcoma, where these fusions are enriched. But then you see a smattering of other tumors, including thyroid, salivary, lung, colon, melanoma, breast cancers, so on and so forth, that are represented in this data series. And notably, compared to the original 55 patients, we're now seeing representation of tumors that were not in that original data set, including patients who had bone sarcomas, appendiceal tumors, hepatocellular cancers, and prostate cancers. Now, moving on to the results of this trial, In all track fusion positive patients, an objective response was observed in 79% of cases with a complete response observed in 16% of cases and a partial response in 63% of cases. When we look back at the original 55 patients alone, uh, these numbers are comparable, meaning that this data set confirmed the tumor agnostic activity of larotrectinib across tract fusion positive cancers of any type. But more importantly, this data set was the first data set to give us an idea of the durability of disease control, recognizing that the prior paper did not have a median progression-free survival or median duration of response that were reached. And so in this update with 159 patients, we now have a really astounding median duration of response of 35.2 months, meaning a median that approaches three years. And in addition, we're seeing a median progression-free survival of 28.3 months, meaning it approaches uh, two and a half years Um, of progression-free survival, um, which really is a remarkable result, underscoring that this targeted therapy is highly active in these tumors and that patients can stay on for a very long time. The median overall survival was 44.4 months, and the longest patient on treatment was actually the first patient that was ever treated uh, with larotrectinib really highlighting that patients can have substantial benefit with this therapy. Now, moving on to safety, this paper is also notable because it has the largest data set for safety of larotrectinib, including a total of 260 patients treated with larotrectinib across the three programs, regardless of whether or not their cancers harbored a tract fusion. And The data shows that there were no new safety signals that were observed with larotrectinib. Most of the adverse events that were treatment emergent were grade one or two, the most common of which were fatigue and increased liver function tests. And we did continue to see a few on-target side effects of the drug, but the absolute frequency of these events, such as dizziness, was low. Dizziness, for example, that was grade one or two, was found in 25% cases, and less than 1% of cases had grade three dizziness. So overall, in addition to this drug being highly active, it is also highly tolerable and very amenable to long-term dosing.
0: Great. So obviously, this is a very important study um, and my next question would be, how do we envision this will contribute to clinical practice or how can you change it?
1: This paper represents a really seminal data set that got the drug larotrectinib approved for any tract fusion positive cancer patient in a pediatric or adult population, not only by the US FDA, um, but also by the EMA and the drug is also approved as well in other regulatory environments such as Brazil and Canada and is likely to gain approval in other environments. This was really a big win for patients because oncologists and other providers are now able to prescribe this drug readily for patients whose cancers have tract fusions and patients outside of these three clinical trials can now benefit from this therapy. I think that this also brings up the issue of testing and the point that you can only find these fusions, obviously, if you employ a diagnostic test that's well poised to identify and track fusions. And we know that if resources are not a challenge, then doing a DNA-based next-generation sequencing assay with good coverage for fusions um, can be a very optimal test. Uh, But we also know that if the assay is able to, in parallel, interrogate RNA, then that would further maximize the likelihood of finding these fusions. Now, if a provider practices in an environment where sources are much more of a challenge, it's good to know that there are other assays such as immunohistochemistry with a pan-tract antibody that can help screen patients for the presence of a fusion. And of course, orthogonal confirmation with a DNA-RNA-based assay uh, would still be important to confirm that the fusion actually is present uh, prior to instituting treatment.
0: And in your opinion, what are the next steps for tumor agnostic therapies?
1: Tumor agnostic therapeutic strategies are a really exciting way of running clinical trials. I'll remind the audience that back in the day, this was a strategy that's well recognized to be part of a phase one dose escalation phase where patients came on um, to the early phase of a new drug, regardless of cancer type. Uh, however, we've really co-opted that strategy and brought it later into testing. Um, and the hope is that we move beyond ENTRAC and beyond MSI-high and look at other drivers that may be found across different types of cancers. An example would be NRG1 fusions that are enriched in invasive mucinous adenocarcinomas of the lung and pancreatic adenocarcinomas, but according to the TCGA are also found across a variety of other different cancers, really lending well to a basket trial strategy type approach. I think we should also consider that basket trials may be able to interrogate the activity of combination therapy. Uh, We know, for example, that BRAF V600E mutations are found in melanomas and lung cancers, and Erdheim-Chester disease, but are also found in a smattering of other cancers. In these other tumors, the likelihood of benefit, as with the colorectal cancers we've observed, has been lower than in the other histologies I previously mentioned. But we know, however, that when you include one or two additional drugs um, to a BRAF inhibitor, um, such as a MEK inhibitor, for example, and an EGFR inhibitor then we can see the likelihood of benefit increase. And what we might do with combinatorial strategies on basket trials is really look at the activity of such an approach in cancers, which are less well-served by a single agent approach.
0: Well, thank you very much. This paper and podcast will be available online with our April 2020 issue.